I'd like you please to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Over the last few weeks, we've been speaking about serving together for the glory of God. And um, a few weeks ago, we said that if we are wanting to serve God and for God to use us, we need to be at the right place. At the right time, last week, we looked at that if we wanted to serve and bring God glory, we cannot do it within our own strength and resource. We need to do it through the power of God. And we looked at Stephen's life, how he was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with faith filled with wisdom and filled with the grace of God. And out of that, God's power flowed through the life of Stephen. And I trust that you've sought God over this past week and you've asked him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. The more I think about those things, the more I realize how I need God's power working within me. And um, we open up our hearts to him to do exactly that. And then in Luke chapter 10, and I hope you've had some time now to turn to this passage together with us. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read from verses 38 to 42. So people who have um, joined us on live stream, if I don't look at you enough, you know, all you need to do is to pray a small prayer in faith and you'll see me look at you straight away. So um, just serve with us and bear with us too, please. This is what verse 38 says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Mary was distracted by all the preparations that she had made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or only indeed one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As we turn our attention from the ancient home of Martha and Mary to our homes today, it appears little has changed. The same time pressures exist, same tension between tasks and relationships distract us. The same personality conflicts come between us. The same clashes among family members over priorities still occur. The Holy Spirit has preserved, I believe, this account for approximately 20 centuries because it still shows what our priorities should be. Luke doesn't tell us where Martha and Mary lived because it isn't that important to the story. Nevertheless, we know from John's gospel that the sisters lived with each other and they lived 
near or close or maybe with their brother Lazarus. And we know the story of Lazarus, how he was the friend of Jesus and how Lazarus passed away and how Jesus resurrected him from the dead. So there is a lot of interplay within this passage, a lot of history, but also quite a bit of future involved in these relationships here. Some of you would have heard and read within the Gospels about Mary, and uh, there are, are a number of Marys that's talked about. And, and, and this could be Mary from Bethany because we think that they lived in a village called Bethany about two hours from Jerusalem. And um, it was so convenient for Jesus to get away from the hustle and the bustle of Jerusalem to go to Bethany. And there his friends were. And his friends were Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And it's interesting when you look at the personality of Jesus that he was highly relational. Loved to be with people. Loved to connect with people. And so you've got to read this into the story today when you look at the personality of Jesus because in his humanness, he needed time just to get away. He needed time to interact with people. And he also needed time to sit down and to talk to people about things that was upon his heart. And we see, and I think that that's one of the reasons why as he left Jerusalem, he went to Mary and Martha's house and they open up their house to him and the scene is before us. Is it Martha welcomed him into her home? And of course, it was characteristic of the Eastern hospitality uh, that you find there. Martha's name means lady or mistress of the house in the most positive sense of the word. Her name kind of fits her personality. She was a little bit more responsible. She was serious, perhaps maybe a little bit intense. And some of us can relate to that, can't we? And um, that was her personality. Mary, her sister, appears just to be the opposite. Jesus arrived. Mary sat at Jesus' feet to listen to her teaching. A position normally reserved for official disciples and a teacher but never to a woman. You see, Jesus always lifted women to the position that he had reserved for them. And we see here again with her just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Note the difference. Martha, the energetic, responsible hostess, Versus Mary, the attentive, conscientious listener. With these two different personalities in the center of a bustling social situation with tasks to be done, the scene is set for conflict. You never knew that when you married your spouse, did you? That the scene was set for conflict. But it certainly was there. And so we'd see that Jesus steps into this place. I think that there was conflict going on way before Jesus entered that house. 
And so he steps in. And so there are many things that and many lessons we can learn from this account. But I think he stepped into that place of conflict. And Jesus is so good when we allow him to sort conflict out, when we allow him to step into it, instead of taking matters into our own hands, which we do so often. But my friends, in serving, and one of the lessons that we learn here is that when we serve, and as a church I said for us to go from one level of glory to the next, we need to learn to serve one another and God in a biblical way, but in a way that brings life and freedom to all. And if we are going to grow in the things that God has placed upon us, we need to know how to serve together. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, I hope that you see the truth here, that in serving, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And as we as a church do that, as you as a family do that, but as we do it as individuals, we'll go from one level of glory to the next, from one level of victory to the next, from one stage and transitional period within your life to the next. But then we need to learn to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I want you to have a look how Jesus speaks to Martha and Mary and how this truth evolves in keeping the main thing. The main thing. When you read the scripture here in verses 41 and 42, and I'd like us to look at those verses again. Verses 41 and 42 says, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. And so Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, in serving, for us to keep the main thing, the main thing, let's keep distractions to the minimal within our lives. Problem with Martha, and oftentimes we say, well, we're all different. We are all different. But in our different personalities, we still need to keep the main thing, the main thing. We've got to find out what that is. And so we've got to keep the distractions to the minimal within our lives. Otherwise, we'll go off center. And there'll be all kinds of things that would strain the very life of God out of our lives. About a month ago, I talked from the book of Thessalonians about living a quiet life. And in living a quiet life, we need to keep our noses out of the business of other people. That is one of the big distractions that befall us. And when we keep our noses in the affairs of other people, what happens is we get off center. And we see here with Martha and Mary that Martha was sticking her nose in Mary's business 
who she was, whom God has raised her up, and she became off-center with her life because she stuck her nose in where it didn't belong. How's it been going with that in your life since we spoke about this here on Sundays? I found that when I violated that principle, that there was very little peace and rest. When I embraced that principle, peace was restored to me. And so Jesus speaks to her and he says, keep distractions to the minimal. Now we do live in a world where there are so many distractions. I have the privilege of speaking to many of you and looking at your lives. I look at my life as well. There are so many distractions within our lives and often because of those distractions, we no longer know what the main thing is within our lives. And Jesus again will show us in this passage of Scripture what the main thing is. But for us to see it, we need to keep the distractions of life to the minimal. When I started preparing it, I wanted to say, well, we shouldn't have distractions within our lives, but that's unrealistic. We have distractions. But we have to have enough wisdom, courage, and strength to reduce them to the minimal. And again, let's stick to those things that God wants us to do. And again, and I really believe that this is what Jesus is saying to Martha. He says, Martha, you carry on with what I've called you to do. Leave Mary alone. Stop putting your nose in her affairs. Because that becomes a distraction when we're so concerned about other people. And the devil is so good. He hooks you and he starts to pull you away. The Greek term for being distracted literally means to be dragged away. And the devil is very good in doing that. And so we see here that Martha firstly had her nose where it didn't really belong. Secondly, she had a feeling of entitlement. She opened her home. It is my home. My friends, when we serve, we do not have entitlement because we serve one another. Mary didn't do that. Martha said, it's my home. I did the preparations. She had a feeling of entitlement. That means we think more of ourselves than what we ought to. The moment we do that, the devil is so clever. He puts that hook in our lives. And as the word distracted means, we get dragged away. Luke uses this word in a more figurative sense to show that Martha was pulled away from Jesus' teaching because she was overburdened with busyness. My friends, busyness is never godliness. I want you to put that on your mirror every single day when you get up. Oh, I can see that you despise me now, but come on, bring it on. Busyness is never godliness. Because the devil is so clever, he'll put that hook into your life and he'll drag you away from the main thing in God. 
seen it not once, I've not seen it twice, I've seen it many times in all of our lives, and we have the most reasons why busyness is godliness. We wouldn't put it that way, but our lives affirm what we actually believe when we do things. And so the next time when someone says to you, I'm just so busy, we ought to ask them the question, is busyness godliness? Or does busyness equal godliness? And I think Jesus was saying to, Mary, uh, to Martha and Martha, you too busy and you're missing the main point. Somewhere or another, friends, within the business sector, within church life, I oftentimes would say to people who are involved in ministries and they're struggling, and I would say to them, and a number of you sitting here would attest to that fact, I said to them, I'd rather you step away from the ministry because you are more important to us than what you do. You are more important than your gifting. I wish some bosses would say that to their people. You're more important than what you're doing. Because if we could value people, I think we would get so much more out of them. Be so much more help. So my friends, busyness does not equal godliness. And so Jesus speaks to Martha. A number of us would have said, well, that's just her temperament. We hide behind temperament. Jesus could have gone to Martha and said, Martha, you know what? I know you have this personality. And I understand what you say. I understand what you are doing. Man, thank you so much. Does Jesus say that? No. He recenters her life. And I've got to think we've got to be very careful when we teach, when we read, when we talk about this passage, and we validate certain temperaments from this passage of Scripture because Jesus doesn't validate it here. I think within Mary and uh, Martha, there could have been a little bit of a competitive spirit within them, and even some jealousy. We certainly see something rise up within Martha that's not godly. And Jesus understands that. Have you ever been in a situation where you throw a pity party for you and you invite people to join you? Someone once said that that is the place where demons dwell. So when someone calls you to a pity party, don't accept the invitation because demons make their home there. And we see that here. Martha wanted Jesus to join her party. Um, Jesus wasn't rude to her, but he just centered her in what is more important, keeping the main thing, the main thing. I also think that there was some unresolved anger, disappointments of the past, and unresolved hurts within Martha's life. I don't know who was the oldest here, but maybe I think Martha acted like the older sister. Would you agree with me? You know, that sense of I've done all of the work. You know, that sense of entitlement. You know, do you sometimes feel that way and then people just go, you do everything, you know, and people just get the best bit to do. They sit at Jesus' feet. I think there was something like that. And so I think 
Jesus wanted to deal with that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You are so valuable. More valuable than what you do. Can anyone by worrying add a single hour to your life? This COVID period, by you worrying over your life, can you end the single hour to your life? No, you can't. If you believe that you are in the hands of Almighty God, Scripture very clearly says that you cannot add a single hour to your life. And we try and do that. That's why we have so many distractions within our lives because we feel that we can help God out with some things. And so Jesus says, firstly, that if we are to serve him in a manner that brings him glory, let's keep the distractions to the minimal. I had to make a decision many years ago together with my family. And we had the privilege of leading a church called Cogs in Durban North. And she, in the 70s, was one of the most influential churches within South Africa. Went through the renewal. And the one pastor had been there for 36 years. He handed the church over to another man who, after four years, had a heart attack. And they said that the church actually brought the heart attack on for this man. And um, they asked us in so that we can come in. And we came and we brought you know, a wonderful church. Uh, we had multiple um, staff on the church, and I had to make a decision whether I wanted to double the numbers or whether we wanted to create a breadth of ministry that could touch so many people's lives out there. And make a decision how we lead that church. We had a young family, and we had three Sunday services on a day, and uh, other churches were going to four and five, and we had a decision to make. And I had a decision to make. And we changed our leadership style and structure in a way where we worked hard. I was in my office at 8 o'clock in the morning, left at 4 o'clock, and then, of course, in the afternoons, there were all of the other things and things in the evenings, particularly that a church like that demands. But I said to all of the pastors that were on my staff and, indeed, also all of the other um, admin staff, I said to them, when your children get home, and I could do that within my context, and I could do that as the leader of that team, I said to the pastors, when your children get home at about four or five o'clock, I said, there's only one reason why I would dismiss you on this team. It is if you're not home when your children get home. I said to them, if there's an important event within your children's lives, and you sit in this office when you could be there. I said, that's automatic dismissal. Why? Because we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Our children are not the main thing Jesus is. But when we have trouble with our children, when we have trouble in our marriages, when we have trouble within our home, the problem is that these distractions will move our focus off of Jesus. And when that happens... It's a long way back. I was very serious about that. 
in our church. So I could have doubled up on any, everything. We've got a, we could have had numbers three, four times the size that we had. And we were a substantial church. But sometimes we have to make decisions that are hard decisions that will bring Jesus back to the center of our lives. It's hard decisions that we need to make. If they weren't hard, we wouldn't have to make them. And in a day and age that we live in, the harder we work, the less time we have for God and his church and for our family, it seems that that equates to godliness. It's not. Jesus sits down and he speaks to Martha and Mary about that which matters. You see, in serving, let's value him. Let's value his presence. That's the main thing, isn't it? Verse 39 says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary was actually delivered from seven demons by Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about Mary. As he came into the house, what was happening? A beautiful, beautiful point. Martha was busy doing it, and I'm sure that Martha said, Mary, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. When people, when people come over to our house, I'm running. I want everything to be perfect. This one, this one, vacuum, this, 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 all drinks. You know, I'm kind of like her. In the church here Sunday morning, you can ask Adam, I want those lights switched on. I want this. If there's a bulb out, I want that bulb. But, you know, I can be that type of person. But I've had to learn that there is a higher priority. And the priority is the presence of Jesus. Anything that takes me away from that is a distraction that I cannot afford. And we see here that Mary centered herself at the feet of Jesus as he walked in. And there were a number of reasons why that happened. I believe one of the reasons is this, that Mary just wanted to love Jesus and to worship him because She was forgiven of her many sins. Luke chapter 7 verse 47 says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Wow. I don't know what Martha's relationship with Jesus was and experience, but I do know what Mary's relationship with Jesus was. Does this mean that we have to be terrible sinners and for our sins to be forgiven, for us to love Jesus greatly? No. I felt that as a young boy. I really did. I grew up at a young age. I, you know, I always knew about God and his presence. And so from a very, very young age, you know, I grew up in the church loving Jesus. You know, and, and, and I was never involved in the gross sin that so many people talked about. But you see, I was sinful. And when we understand the gospel, we'll understand that all of us are sinners and we've been forgiven much. Amen? That's the gospel. 
And I always used to marvel at these people who stand up. And in the 70s and 80s, you had these incredible testimonies of people being drug dealers and delivered from drugs and all of that. They get saved and they say, and everybody wants to hear their testimony. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I was never as bad as that. Do I have a testimony? But when I started to understand the gospel, that my righteousness without Christ is as filthy rags. When Jesus looks at me, I realized (laughs) that I was the chief of sinners as Jesus looked at me because there was nothing good within me. The only goodness that there is is when Jesus comes into our lives and he covers us with his righteousness. And so, my friends, we've got to understand that to understand the Scripture. You and I have been forgiven much, and so we can love much. I believe that Mary understood this. and When she had an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, she wanted to, in an extravagant way, make herself known and share her love with Jesus in that way, in an extravagant way. We know the account a little bit later when she broke a bottle of perfume and anointed Jesus. Do you know why that happened? I believe it came out of this time sitting with Jesus. You see, Jesus spoken to his disciples. He was teaching them about his death, and he sat down with Mary. He went to their home, and he just wanted to unburden himself. And I think him and her, uh, Mary and him just sat down, and Jesus started to tell her about his burial and that there was going to be no time afterwards. No one was going to actually, after his death, was going to anoint him for his burial. And that's what happens. After the death, there was an anointing that takes place with the body. Remember, Jesus' body wasn't there for that to happen. And so I think they had this conversation with one another that day. (laughs) You see, Mary valued Jesus the most. She wasn't distracted by all of the other things, even though they were good things. But she sat there. She let Jesus and burden himself. She heard about the story, and I believe God used her to prepare Jesus for his burial by breaking that perfume all over him. And, you know, Jesus, the disciples rebuked her. They said, look, you know, she's wasting so much money. My friends, when we waste money for the sake of Jesus, it's never a waste of money. She was preparing him for his burial. I believe it came out of this time where She loved Jesus. She was all there when he was there. I want to ask you, when Jesus is present, are you all there? My desire is to be all there when Jesus is present. We know he's everywhere, but there are times in his presence he's all there. I want to ask you if you are all there. If you are so distracted that you are not all there, my friends, then... You're losing out on moments that are very, very special. My friends, we see here that in that place of serving Jesus and loving Jesus, what Mary did was she allowed the internal to envision her for a greater purpose. Jesus said in verse 42, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
My friends, many of the things that we do, even though we claim it's for God, will burn in the fire one day. Only that which genuinely is done for God would last, and Paul says that. In serving, let the eternal envision you to a greater purpose. And that is what Mary did there. Part of that great pur greater purpose was to hear from Jesus, to learn from him, and then to prepare Jesus for his burial. Isn't that awesome? Jonathan Edwards said this, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. And out of that, and only then, will you and I find out what truly is the main thing within our lives. If we are going to take our lives personally, this church to the next level in being effective for God, we're going to need to make sure that in serving, that we keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus, and it requires time for you and I to spend that with him, and then the eternal will envision us to the greater purpose within your life, which is different from my life, my life, different from yours, I understand that. But it must come out of that. And let's trust God for that. Would you stand, please?